Welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. As you ride in on this Friday, episode 8 of the podcast project that we're hoping will make some waves on the internet. Mitch Michaels, I am the host. Got a football edition scheduled for you today. We're going to talk college and professional. Got two guests from NFL Media. First, Rob Crowder on to discuss college football week three in the books a lot of top teams falling Lamar Jackson going crazy for Louisville we'll give you our Heisman hopefuls as well as a look into week four and some of the betting lines there and then following that is an interview with CJ Deer of NFL Media as well he works on the social team there we're going to try to get to the bottom of these running back injuries that happened in week two as well as looking at the surprise teams in the NFL at the early part of the season. Hope you're ready for a Friday edition of the Money Mitch Effect starting first with college football. Here we go. All right, we're uh, live now, Money Mitch Podcast. Rob Crowder, first time here, welcome uh, on the show. Thanks, glad to be here. Rob is a friend of mine from uh, NFL Media, NFL Network. Um, you know, a lot of the people that have been on and future guests of this show are my former NFL uh, compadres, but it's good to uh, talk to you guys in a different meeting, medium. And with college football in season right in your wheelhouse, four weeks in, uh, it's, I know I, don't, I hate hyperbole, but this is one of the biggest starts to a season I can remember. A lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got so many dominant teams and, and some players that are just blowing up the stat sheet, like Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey's doing his thing. And then, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting. Is is Jackson going to continue his right. tear? When, is he going to be another Geno Smith, or is he going to you know, yeah, follow through? You can look at the history books. There's a lot of Heisman candidates that have fallen off very quickly. Yeah. The thing with Jackson, I'm glad you brought him up because what Louisville did to Florida State was unheard of. That was obscene. Beating them by 43 <laughs> points. They came into the game as underdogs. Uh, it opened, The line opened at like three and a half. It got down to one by kickoff. And it did not surprise me that they won that game. Big game, Louisville. They had a lot to prove of talented team. But not only the score, Rob, but how they did it was just impeccable. It was their offense did whatever they wanted every time they had the ball. I was I was watching other games and that was on one of our alternate TVs and it looked like it seemed like every time I looked over there was a Louisville player in the open field just sprinting through the secondary like every time and and I, I feel like that was the story of the game like Florida State yeah just was letting them run wild. What's interesting about that game is it, it wasn't he didn't come out of left field completely. Lamar Jackson last year the Music City ball he's the MVP in that game as a true freshman the game against Syracuse where he had four touchdowns on his first four possessions. <laughs> they were all big plays. Yep. Florida State had time to prepare for him. They had the, the setup game before. They didn't. They weren't on a murderer's row of schedules, and he still delivered in his first big pressure test as a Heisman candidate. I was really impressed with that, and I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman, Rob, but if he does, it's not going to be on garbage time. 17 of his 18 touchdowns this year in the first half. Yep. So this isn't a guy running the running the stats up when the game's out of reach. He's all his touchdowns have counted this year. Yeah, he's going against first teamers and 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 he's got he's got quite a 
quite a good schedule coming up. I mean, he's, they still have to go play Clemson. All right. And that's going to be fun. a duel. So that's going to be fun. And then, you know, there's still some ACC patsies that they're going to run into. But, yeah. I, I, I mean, they have a good chance of being in that playoff at the end of the, se- at the, end of the season. Or maybe them but and Clemson, we potentially. We could see. Well, see, I don't know. I think we're going to have a high, we're gonna have an elimination game and probably a Heisman elimination yep. you know, contender between him and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Whoever wins that game, I would have a hard time with the loser being in the playoff because they're probably not even going to go to the ACC championship game. If Louisville wins, True. they're they're practically in the ACC title game. If Clemson wins, and imagine Florida State being Clemson, we could have a lot of mismatch going on there. But totally. As far as our Heisman, like our power rankings look right now, we mentioned Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson's a guy I want to get your opinion on. The start of the season hasn't been great, not exclusively or maybe even at all on Deshaun Watson, but is Clemson, does the team need to play better for him to have a better chance to win the Heisman this year? Yeah, I think, I mean, I I think he's being overshadowed already, but if you beat good teams, you're immediately going to rise in those rankings. So once they hit the bulk of their schedule and they run into, you know, Louisville and Florida State, I mean, that's when you're really going to see him and Clemson potentially, you know, silencing the doubters but right now i think it's too early to say anything about that team because they might just be on cruise control until they reach a good matchup i mean we nitpick a lot with the top teams um the auburn game specifically left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because of how it ended how it just sputtered to the finish line and then the tune-up game before with uh was a georgia southern or uh, i've drawn a blank on who they played right before this game but they were struggling going into south carolina they turned it around, came out, destroyed that team. It was running clock by the second half. Watson's going to have his chances, but it could be like an NBA player or an NFL player. There's a lot of talent on that team. He doesn't get to do the do what Lamar Jackson can do. Right. You know, be that guy because it's a nice luxury to have uh, on Clemson. The other guy, though, is Christian McCaffrey, and he came in, chip on his shoulder, a lot of hype because of what, how last year went where he could have won the Heisman. Should have won the Heisman. Probably, yeah, I would agree with you there. Should have won the Heisman. And then last week was finally was the first of what probably will be many steps towards that Heisman campaign. Over 150 yards uh, rushing, over 70 or 80 yards receiving, touchdowns for both, the all-purpose yards. That was his I'm here, I'm not going away speech. And I think he did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 the same player he was last year. I mean, who knows? He might even finish better this year. And and the Pac-12 right now is just so wide open that Stanford right now is, in my opinion, the runaway favorite. Yeah. Um, but you got Washington, too. Top 10 Washington. See, Washington looks good, yet. too. But, I, I mean, the only apprehension I guess I have is that Stanford really has a tough schedule yeah. within the Pac-12. It might be wide open. I mean, them as the favorites. But it's still wide open below them. Right. Talent-wise, in my opinion, so like I mean, they could play Washington and get knocked out. They could play, uh, I mean, USC could be a trap game. You know, uh, Oregon. You never know what's going to happen with them. So I think I, I think McCaffrey is going to get his no matter what because yeah. he's going to have to get touches uh, within that offense. But you know, I also don't think that the overall win win loss record of Stanford is going to matter too much as long as they're winning eight, nine, ten games. Yeah, we've seen. RG3, Tebow, Heisman Trophy winners on teams that have lost three, four games. Mm-hmm. But it can't enhance his Heisman candidacy if they go to Oregon, he goes for 400, 400 yards. Which is entirely they, possible. You know? So <laughs> I think 
he's going to have a chance to showcase. And we're early on uh, in the Heisman campaign, those being the two, three front runners we just mentioned. I think there's some uh, some dark horses on the outside. There's some guys you got to consider. You know, I know a lot of people have already written off Leonard Fournette, but we know what he's capable of. My guy JT Barrett is going to have the chances. It's going to come down probably to how he does against Michigan State and Michigan in that stretch. But I think from uh, the amount of touches he has, he's going to have the ball in his hands as much as anyone. Yeah, and I mean, Ohio State as a team is just looking nasty. They have more defensive touchdowns than teams they've played have offensive touchdowns this season, which is an obscene stat through three games. So, yeah. I mean, you got – and then to have Barrett on the offensive end and, and the wide receivers they have, I mean, they went into a tough place. They went into the Gaylord Stadium and yeah. in Norman, and, I mean, that was – they made OU look silly. So, yeah, that I, was. Uh, I think they're the team to beat one. right now. Well, as I'm talking here with Rob Crowder here on the uh, Money Mitch Effect, we're doing this one live, not a uh, Skype version, but uh, we are live here. And, um, you know, I thought – I figured going into that game, Rob, you know, this is probably when our alliances have been most aligned, rooting against Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. You just, as a lifelong rooter against her, me just being an Ohio State fan. But that game, it was weird. I really wasn't that worried as an Ohio State fan, and I know that sounds braggadocious, but, and I'm fully acceptable of the fact that Ohio State could lose several games this year. But that one, I just didn't see one of them, and I, I don't know if it was just not respecting not having as much respect for Oklahoma as an overall p- power contender, or just Bob Stoops in big games in general. I, I just I felt pretty good about that going in. My thoughts were pretty accurate. I think there were a couple of factors for me uh, going into it, which was like, y- you've got Urban Meyer going onto a big game in the road. I mean, right. usually you wouldn't bet against Urban, period. Mm-hmm. And then you got big game Bob, who seems to lose every big game. But he's still the longest tenured coach in college football <laughs> Go in figure. years. So. Well, that's because the Schnellenberger <laughs> uh, episode failed for them. Yeah. Um, and then and then you, you look at how OU played against Houston. You're not dealing with fours and five stars at Houston. You're dealing with two and three stars and maybe yeah. some fours. So it's like going into the Ohio State game, you're not running into two, three, four stars. You're running into four and fives at almost every position. So you've got to realize that just Ohio State is just stacked going into that. And the four and five stars that OU had did not show up against against uh, Houston. So yeah, I think going into that game, a lot of people could read the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of people were happy with what happened, too. Yeah, and um, I, I just you know, I agree with what you said. I think the offense is rolling. They've got a nice one-two punch of running backs and Noah Brown catching four touchdowns. If the passing game gets going, that's a tough offense to stop. But I want to want to get your thoughts on what Oklahoma's backup quarterback said. I know he called the defense basic, and look, it, sports is filled with trash talk, irrational trash talk. Uh, and, and I'm not one to be against confidence. But my biggest thing with that, Rob, is it's a guy that's not on the field saying something about guys that are on the field, and I don't want to say endangering, but making life harder for his own teammates that are on the field. Yeah, I mean, a backup, in my opinion, should not be in the media, period. I mean, you don't represent your team. You, no. You're you <laughs> a backup. You are clearly not, you know, the bell of the ball. So f- to be mocking a defense that's clearly just dominating, I think puts you at a disadvantage immediately because that's billboard, you know. Yeah, that's, there's a way to say it. He said they're basically, you could say we feel confident that we can move the ball and exactly. have success. 
But he knew what he was doing, calling their defense basic. Yeah, and I think I think that also gave Ohio State defense some juice immediately. Oh, yeah. So I, I I think that's stuff you got to avoid at all costs. So looking at Oklahoma's conference, the Big Twelve, Rob is you know your Cal- Oklahoma State Cowboys are in there. There's a lot of uh, I wouldn't say turmoil, but there's a lot of uncertainty with that conference in, t- in terms of who the powers are and how they can compete on a national stage. How do you assess where the Big 12 is right now? I, I definitely think it's a down year. I don't, I don't see any team getting out of conference play with it, without at least one loss. I see the team winning it with one, two, at least one, and I imagine two, just because right. the, the, the parity within the conference is so big, but we're at a disadvantage when it comes to other conferences at the moment. Like the offense, yeah, we can compete with anyone offensively, but the defenses just aren't there right now. No, and, and I would I would agree with that. I think the, the non-conference losses definitely hurt a little bit. But, you know, the, the Oklahoma-Ohio State game, I don't think, in my opinion, was nearly as bad for the conference as Oklahoma losing to Houston. Yeah. Or even TCU losing to Arkansas. That's a big game at home against a team that's not really expected to be a power in the SEC. I know TCU's had you know, some new faces in there, especially on the offense side of the ball. But that's a game that they should have had, you know, and. I think the conference as a whole is starting to, to improve, but I do think they're a little bit away from that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But it, it makes for an exciting conference season. I mean, yeah. I'll give you that. I mean, going into conference play, you, are, you're, you have two teams that are undefeated, and that's Baylor and West Virginia. If you would have taken money before <laughs> the season, you'd be rich right now, you know, taking that line. And, and you know, TCU, as you mentioned, is, is, is down this year, and I think they're going to not have a great season at all. I think OU is going to be vulnerable and could finish with four losses, which, you know, what happens then, we'll see, I guess. Oklahoma State is 2-1, and one, should be 3-0, and oh, we all know that. Okay. Um, and they could honestly that, take yeah. the conference. Um, and then, you know, if they somehow run the table, I don't think they will as an OSU fan, but if they do, I think that opens up an, an entirely different discussion because that'll be, you know, an undefeated team you know, on paper, but right. they technically have one loss. So if you're the committee, what do you do there? That's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, West Virginia, who knows? They could, this could be their year. They could sneak by with two losses and somehow, you know, pull out the rug. So, and Baylor, who knows what they are yet? They've right. had some, I mean, they've blown a couple teams out, but for a couple quarters, they've, they've not looked very solid. So, Right, and as an Oklahoma State fan, Rob, and as a fan of a team that's expected to be competitive, but maybe not there yet, you, do you look at certain games like, all right, this is the game circle, we have to win this one, this might be the house money game where I, we, I hope we win, obviously, but I'm not really expecting it. And that leads me into the game against Baylor this weekend, who a lot of people are surprised that they're doing as well as they are. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a, a classic OSU-Baylor shootout. But yeah, I think this is the, they are. Yeah, and I think this is OSU's big chance to kind of be like, hey, those early season games, uh, we were without our second-best wide receiver who was a Blitnikoff watch list guy. Yeah. So you throw this guy into the offense, our second wide receiver, who's still really good, jumps to the three spot, then you got three wideouts that are, you know, top class. All lethal, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, we had the Walter Camp Offensive Player of the Year wide receiver, um, uh, or Player of the Week this year. 
right. or this week. Uh, James Washington, who had 200 like, 220 yards at halftime and two touchdowns. And that was such an interesting game because of the lightning delay. It's not yeah. so much the delay, but when it happened. It was almost like two football games. It, it was. 38 all in the second half. It's and, and then it's kind of ridiculous. And then but, when they came back, it was a defensive battle. So it was like it, it yeah, flipped the game on its right. head because everyone made adjustments and said, this play is going to happen, this play is going to happen, this play is going to happen. And then, it's like two you know, times, basically. Exactly. And then the only reason, and which is great for us because Gundy is arguably one of the best. He's uh, up there. He's I one of I the like best that. halftime coaches in the, in the country, in my opinion. One of the best mullets this year, too. Oh, yeah, yeah the gullet. I'm yeah. liking the gullet this year. <laughs> yeah. no, I think that'll be a big game. And it'll, it'll go a ways towards shaping out how the Big 12 goes this year. Totally. Let's switch conferences now to the SEC. <laughs> Alabama-Mississippi was a heck of a game. Mississippi falls short to Alabama. A lot of craziness towards the end of that one. But, Rob, Alabama down 24-3 at the end of the second quarter, or towards the end of the second quarter, and yet they don't really panic at all. And that's – I don't know how long the reign of Saban is going to last, but that might be the one thing I take away from him is that in times of turmoil, he's just – we're going to steady the ship and we'll be fine. That was unbelievable. I mean, I saw a stat before I came over that uh, when a team's up by 21 points, um, they, they all of the FBS is 139-2, and two, and then Ole Miss by itself is 1-2 and two in being up by 21 points this season. So I think it says a lot both about Saban yeah. and about Ole Miss in that Ole Miss can't seem to hang on to a lead right now or just comes out of the gates firing and then gets right. overconfident. And then what you said, Saban, holy cow, to, to steady that ship. I mean, that's what Jimbo couldn't do in Louisville. Um, not saying, you know, that's comparable, yeah. but, I mean, Saban was like, well, we're going to run our stuff and, and try this, and it works, and then, you know, they somehow win that insane game. So I, I think it's a couple different things there. I think Alabama, when they were down 24-3, to it wasn't like a Louisville, Florida State, twenty-four to three, where one team was just doing whatever they wanted. There was some turnovers, the the big play to make it twenty-four to three, right? The defensive touchdown. So you look at that as a coach and say, it's not like they're just completely dominating us. Bama makes adjustments better than anyone. We've seen that time and time again. But we had that discussion about Ole Miss, Florida State, the great comeback Florida State had in the opening week game. Ole Miss just kind of let it happen, and they did that a lot last year too. And you do have to wonder if Chad Kelly at quarterback, Hugh Freeze at coach, if they're just bad at making adjustments or if they can't counterpunch to what the other team decides to do when they mix it up. And right. It's a trend now, you know, and I'm I'm a little shocked that they're still ranked at 1-2. and two, uh, I don't but, think they should be, and yeah. I don't think OU should either. Yeah, we got two teams that are ranked there, but... I think they have to work their way back in the, for us to get yeah. into their, you know, well, for them to... Well, has his chance right now. This is yeah. the, the season coming up against A&M. But as far as Bama goes, I mean, the game was 48-43. It wasn't that close at the end, you know, a couple scores late. But they are confident in who they are. The skill players keep coming in. And I think the, the scary thing is, Rob, now they have their test of adversity. You know, this was yeah. the game they lost last year. Had to win out. Now they have that adversity game, and they're, you know, rolling along still undefeated. So, But with the SEC, with, uh, with what's coming up this week, I think there could be a lot of uh, movement there within the oh, conference. There's man. some big games on the slate. Those Vols have a, have yeah, a big old there. help. In let's start there. 11 straight losses Which, against the Florida Gators. Here's my thing with that. And uh, like both those teams, Rob, haven't been very good. Tennessee and Florida have struggled in a decade. Which is, that makes that even more ridiculous to me. This yep. isn't like you're going against Saban's Crimson Tide. 
you know, or Bo Schembeck, Beckler's Michigan team in the 70s. This is a Florida team that's been pedestrian for a lot of those 11 years. 11 straight. I, it's like a revolving door at quarterback right there. It's a revolving door. And, you know, like you said, Florida's quarterback, Del Rio, is out this week. Tennessee's dealing with injuries. I don't think this is going to be the cleanest played game in the world. This is going to no. be a dog fight. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a gritty street fight. I'm interested to see how Tennessee comes out the route because they have been sluggish to start way too many of their yep. games this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and Cam Sutton being out, there goes your returner and your your best lockdown corner. So now you got Mosley filling in, who's a walking penalty flag, you know. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, for them to win the game, they've just got to – I think Dobbs has just got to manage it well and, and Kamara and, and Hurd coming out of the back. You know, you, you've just got to manage the game, and I think you're going to take it because Florida right now is a wounded animal, Very which makes wounded. them dangerous. But at the same time, their quarterback play is not going to be up to snuff that you, to the to Tennessee's level. You know, I mean, with Dobbs, you've got one of the most senior quarterbacks in the country, and Tennessee is the most experienced group in the country. They have the, the most returning players so in the Power 5 conference. So yeah. you've got all that experience. It's time to put that experience to work and, and finally win one well, against the Gators. And win one before the schedule just turns absolutely brutal. Yep. Um, Tennessee started this because we switch over to betting here on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, Tennessee opened the betting favorite by 10 points. Wow. <laughs> It's it's since shifted to six and a half, still so a little high of her number. Yeah, I you know ten is just for a rivalry game, when when teams are coming in fairly evenly matched. I thought that was uh, a little high, but now it's a six and a half point line in Tennessee. How do you feel about this one? Do you think Tennessee is going to win this game? Do you think they'd win it comfortably, or do you think it might be closer than the line suggests? I I think we got to go back to the battle at Bristol and kind of see how they took that they came they they came out fired up and uh obviously they went down early but then they righted the righted the ship and then just opened up a can on virginia tech and i i think they're gonna be slow out the gate again against the gators but i don't think the gators can handle the offense that tennessee's bringing and and if you're tennessee i think you're gonna have to use uh use your defensive line play and put some pressure on this quarterback because you're out your best lockdown corner. That's the and then your safety backup first, a backup secondary. Exactly. So so and and, and you've just got to avoid being that that game for that backup quarterback. You can't you can't allow him to get comfortable. You've got to be bringing heat and making him off balance throughout the game so that he's making tough throws. Right. I'm leaning Tennessee, but maybe not to cover the spread. I think it's going to be like a three or a four point game. Yeah. Florida's quarterback, if he turns the ball over, they lose right. in this game. Which like, I he think... he manage the turnovers, because remember that game, Virginia Tech turned the ball over nonstop. Yep. It got ridiculous toward the end of that game with the yeah. turnovers they had. That, that's the key to me. Dobbs, I, I like him as a quarterback, as a leader, but he's been inconsistent at times this year. He's had a couple mm-hmm. bad stretches, and I don't know that he can afford to do that at least as you know, egregiously as he had in the past. The so we'll caliber see. of I'm, I'm athletes. I'm really intrigued by this game. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with you know SEC defensive backs and, and linebackers, which yeah. is way different than App State and you know and, and some VT guys, you know. So, I think I think again, if Dobbs manages the game, I think Tennessee takes it. Right. Yeah. 
Before, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think uh, I think they should win. This would be a pretty bad one. I would. Uh, if if they lost, I think bad. it's a massive loss for it's them. Been, well, we've had we've not had, only for their morale, yeah. but and we've had Sean Sullivan on this, and I don't <laughs> think he'll be doing well if they lose that game. So nope, we'll have to check out. Before we do the rest of the picks, as we uh, move right along, talking college football and the money bench back with Rob Crowder. One game last week that I targeted as a potential. I'll tell you this, Rob. I had two games. I was dead wrong on one, dead right on the other. Miami just obliterated App State, so I got that wrong. Didn't expect that. Did not expect that at all. But my positive side, Michigan State, Notre Dame. I thought it was outrageous what that line opened up at with Michigan State undefeated, a touchdown underdog to Notre Dame right. team. But having said that, I don't know what the hell happened in that game. That was just a beatdown. Yeah. Michigan State, and I, I have always said D'Antonio is one of the most underrated coaches in college football, and I don't want to take anything away from that win. But I think that showed me more about how Notre Dame's struggling this year. Yeah, I think it says a lot about about Notre Dame and Texas. Actually, I mean, yeah, you saw what happened. Cal. Yeah, so I it, like we all kind of crowned Notre Dame and Texas early as this being an amazing duel between two great teams. But in retrospect, it's like where do where do they really stand? You know, so Notre Dame's got two losses, and Texas just lost to what I would consider a bottom of the barrel right yeah. now. Pac-12 team. I mean, they've got a good offense, but that defense looked Swiss cheese against Hawaii. They did. And, so. and I'll say, it's almost like you know, D'Antonio's style is more on the conservative side. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They don't want it to turn into a shootout. But I think somewhere in like the beginning of the second quarter, he realized, we could just destroy this defense. Like, we <laughs> yeah. could run all over them. We could throw, like, look what Texas did. Yeah. And that started to happen, and you had a quarterback in Kaiser who I still think can be a pretty good player, but it's tough, especially as a young guy in there, when you're just your defense can't stop anybody. It all falls on your shoulders. You try to do too much, and the game got away from them quickly. I, I'm I'm worried about Notre Dame as as a uh, national contender in the near future because they've lost they've lost in bad fashion. The defense is being ripped to shreds. I don't know what identity this team has going forward with some tough games left on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you, you spelled it out pretty perfectly. I think I think Kaiser is going to be a very, very good quarterback from what I saw in the, in the two games I've watched. But but that being said, I mean, you have Torrey Hunter Jr. going down against Texas. And they needed and, him, yeah. And, and he, he's kind of, I, I would argue, weaponless. He, I mean, EQ is pretty good, yeah. but, um, you know, he there's no one – he doesn't have the go-tos that most Notre Dame teams have had. And, like, Fuller he's a pocket and, guy. He's not going to scramble like Lamar Jackson or Jake Or Zaire, you know. Yeah, yeah, who they needed that. Yeah, it was – I don't like where Notre Dame is going. They still have time to figure it out. Brian Kelly is a good coach, but he's up against it now. I don't think this is their year based on the way their defense is playing. And, and Kent, uh, who also works with us at the NFL, yeah. is, echoes, everyone, echoes that sentiment perfectly. He's like – the way we're playing, we, their, we're we not going to contend for anything. Their defense was in rough shape before uh, that car got pulled over and all those guys got arrested right. and or kicked out of school. So it's going to be tough. All right, let's wrap this up, Rob, with some picks this week. We'll look at the uh, spreads. Southern Cal, Utah. This is a stay relevant in the Pac-12 game. Utah favorite by one point over Southern Cal. This is gut check time. I, I'm you know The line shot up from one to about three, but... I don't know. If Southern Cal can't win this game, dark days. <laughs> I think they're already in the dark days. <laughs> I I definitely would take Utah in this one. Not saying like that Utah's yeah. any powerhouse, but I think Utah's just more consistent. And USC, they're just they haven't shown me anything this year. 
I mean, they had a quarter against Bama, but that, you know, yeah. that's I'll, nothing. I'll, I'll brag one last time on USC. This is it. Like, they have to win this game yep. to be anything this year. Here we go. Uh, Big 12 team, West Virginia, that we talked about. BYU. And that's a game that at, at uh, West Virginia should be a very big game in determining whether or not West Virginia is for real. It started out, they started out as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, now as much as a touchdown favorite. Since Over BYU? Opened. Yeah. I, mm. it's, I'll believe that when I see UCLA it. UCLA found a way to beat them last week. BYU has the win over Arizona. They play everyone tough. I'm, I'm leaning West Virginia, but not by a touchdown. I think this is going to be a down-to-the-wire game. Well, just because West Virginia's in it, I, I think it's going to be more than that. So yeah. one team is going to get blown you out. Because so? it's West Virginia, okay. I usually yeah. swing that way because... With Holgerson, you're getting, you know, yeah. you're getting like one minute not, possessions. Not the so. football. Yeah, it's yeah, all so, over the place. But. So I, 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 I would like to say West Virginia takes it just from a Big 12 standpoint. I think Holgerson's offense is really difficult to scheme against if you only play them once in a blue moon. Right. So I, I, I would definitely take West Virginia. My guess is two touchdowns just because they're a quick strike. Right. So you think you your team, the Cowboys, will beat Baylor. Oh, Baylor, eight-point favorite. It's come down a little bit since the double-digit line opened, but is this the Oklahoma State road game of the year that they find a way to win? I think so. I mean, if you look at how we played last year, we were undefeated on the road, and our only two losses were at home. So, uh, you know, our last three losses total were at home. So right now we're a pretty darn good road team. And the, with what's swirling around Baylor right now with Art Bryles and Sean yeah. Oakman, I think, I think you know, they're definitely going to have a chip on their shoulder, but we're playing better football than them right now, in my opinion. And we're, we're technically a 3-0 team versus their 3-0 team, and they play no one, and we play Pitt and a <laughs> yeah. really tough Central Michigan team. So I'm, I'm with you, I think, and it isn't just so much the rooting interest of Oklahoma State. I just don't trust Baylor yet. So. Right. Seth Russell was a third-string quarterback last year. I'm not ready to just anoint him as a uh, do-it-all for the Big 12. There's a lot of drama going around that court program. They haven't been tested. You know, our Bryles' name keeps coming up. If he gets cleared at Baylor somehow, he'll be coaching next year. Which that whole situation uh, yeah. just blows my mind. And it, and Grove is just is just drinking the Kool-Aid, too. He's like, oh, Sean yeah, Oakman, yeah. I don't know what he looks like. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. It's like... Bro, he's 6'9", 275. Like, he's the most obvious yeah, I, person. I don't know him as a ridiculous answer. It, it, I well, it, can't remember anything in particular. I didn't really see him around, but just flat out, I don't know him. Like, he was. It, it, you're uh, the coach yeah, of. I know. You're the coach of a team that's getting sued in federal court, and you don't know the you know star defensive player from the past like two and a half years. Like that answer just baffles me. So I think there's a lot of. Uh, I definitely still think there's some Kool-Aid drinking going on down oh, there yeah. that they need to uh, figure out before the culture can truly change. So Texas A&M, Arkansas, A&M, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, very underrated game. Uh, actually, the line moving up to about five-and-a-half, six. It opened at two-and-a-half. Two teams going for it in Texas A&M, at Texas A&M. This is a uh, contender, uh, pretender game, I think. I'm leading A&M at home. I don't know how good... Either of these teams are other than a couple of close wins. But I like AM, I like that crowd. I like Trevor Knight at quarterback. If they don't blow it on defense at the end like they tried to against UCLA, I think they pull it off. Yeah, I mean, Texas AM has the best home field in the country, uh, arguably. 
and their fans are rabid. So I I, 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 I think we'll really see what Arkansas is this, this week, and I don't really see them as a team that's going to make the jump that they would they're, that people are predicting they've made already from last year. I don't think they're there yet, but uh, I guess we'll see this week with uh, Trevor Knight. So. We will. And I, you know, Bielma <laughs> might get there a little early, eat some barbecue in Texas. So oh, he's he's already out. there eating it, I guarantee. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> don't doubt that at all. Uh, I misspoke earlier. It's Ole Miss Georgia this week. Ole Miss to uh, a seven-point favorite. That line is spiking up. The people are betting on him at home against Georgia, an undefeated Georgia team that – Hasn't looked that impressive the last couple weeks, but is the 1-2 team Mississippi, are they going to win this game, or do you like Georgia just keeping the Georgia train along? Man, that's tough. Um, I mean, Georgia struggled with Nichols State early on in the year, and they honestly could have lost that game. Yeah. It was that close. Um, So you got Nick Chubb against Chad Kelly, you know, big names. I, I, I still am going to take I'm going to take Ole Miss, but I, I think Georgia makes it a close game, and Nick Chubb has a lot of yards. I, I like Ole Miss. I like him to cover the spread. Georgia could have lost to Missouri. <laughs> it was <in> disarray. <laughs> yeah. And this is I, Ole Miss is not a one and three team. They can't be this bad. Like they, no. they played teams tough. They this is a game they need, and I think they'll get it. LSU Auburn, another team with two losses. Auburn now it's the game's at Auburn. LSU. Is a three and a half point favorite, but I don't know if I can trust either of these teams. To be honest, this is a game you might stay away from. <laughs> I would not yeah. put any money on yeah. this game for darn sure. I mean, we don't know what like we don't know if Fournette's woken up from a slumber, so to speak, and then you know, I I think it's a lot of question marks because Auburn clearly is a dangerous team, but are they going to show up this week? Is is the question, and is LSU going to show up? It's two teams that are inconsistent. The running game for LSU should work on the road, but they got to get something out of their quarterback position. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say LSU wins this game on the road. Finds out Auburn goes on a one three. It's coach, coach hot seat time too. Yeah. Loser yeah. of this game, the the oven's gonna be turned on. <laughs> yeah. Either or. Game. This is gonna I mean, be tough. I think, and then here come the Bobby Petrino leaves Louisville before the bowl game rumors and. Our Riles, we're going to be right in the middle of uh, coaching turmoil after this game, one way or the other. Totally, yeah. I, I I'm going to go with you and go. Like I think LSU is going to. I think Fournette's going to going to wake up and 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 you know give this Tiger defense some hell. Wisconsin, Michigan State, just uh, two more to get to. This game though, Michigan State, the line stayed pretty consistent, five and a half point favorite at home. Wisconsin had the big win over LSU early. They struggled a little bit last week. Michigan State riding high. Does Michigan State get the job done? Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw what they did against Notre Dame, and obviously the, the end of the game was a little rough uh, for their liking, but, I mean, you you dominate Notre Dame throughout the majority of the game, and I, I think Wisconsin, I guess, I mean, they had they had that big win, but I still don't think, they're going to have the firepower to match what yeah. Michigan State's pattern. I don't, I don't see Michigan State's quarterback self-destructing. I don't no. see a lot of that happening. Uh, I do like Michigan State pretty handily and vaulting themselves right back into the mix. It's, you know, telling everyone, don't, you know, okay, Ohio State, Michigan, don't forget about us. We're right here. Right. And the last game we're going to predict here, UCLA-Stanford. This is an interesting one. UCLA is a three-point, or no, excuse me, they started out a one-point favorite, now Stanford's a three-point favorite, but it keeps switching Back and forth. This game's at the Rose Bowl. 
Christian McCaffrey's had some success there. Interesting, yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. What do you see? I, I think McCaffrey has a has a career day. I don't know. He just seems to, to turn it on in the big games. And, uh, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl, a lot of eyes on him. I, I think he's going to go off, and, and I think Stanford's going to roll 20 this, points. <laughs> this is a trap game, but I do like Stanford. And I think it's it could be a 20-point game, but it could be the clinching touchdowns push it that way. Right. Remember Houston Cincinnati last week where it was Man. close all the way and then the final was twenty four. There is there is one more uh, game that, that I wanted to get your opinion on before I let you go, Rob. Is do you see Alabama covering a forty three point spread against Kent State? I think they're gonna come out and just obliterate Kent State. But it, it, here's the betting. I'll, I'll play I'll play devil's advocate for betting logic here. Forty three points is a lot, and you get up early. You're gonna start out. A turnover happens late. Something crazy, fluky happens. That's a tough one. Forty-three points. Yeah, especially maybe, s- I, at the start of the game too. If Kent State comes out throwing picks, maybe that happens. But yeah, I think you're. I I, I, I guess I see where you're coming from because like the difference between an SEC offense dropping forty-three more than say a Big Twelve offense, the gap is way bigger um, for an SEC offense. So uh, you know, I think. Alabama's definitely going to put up points, but yeah, 43 might be a bigger issue than if it was Baylor, Oklahoma State, or yeah, you know Texas Tech, um, um, you know playing against a cupcake. So we'll see. It's uh, it's also Saban's alma mater, so maybe he feels a little passionate. He's you know, saving the merciful <laughs> this week. I don't, I don't, I don't think he has feelings. No, so. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think he does. <laughs> he might be a robot for all we know. Yeah, but Rob Crowder, thanks for joining us here. I know. Uh, you know, I know we got, we're not sponsored by Crown Royal yet. I know we got the, the bottles on the table just for decoration now, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe get to that point. But, you know, NFL media, anything happening there you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Check out our uh, Snapchat Discover channel. Uh, it's really cool. The designers make some really cool stuff. Uh, we did a Stranger Things segment today about preseason, the four teams that were undefeated in preseason are undefeated right now. And That's the two, very strange. And the two teams that were winless are winless right now. Well, so, I mean, I know one of those teams isn't that strange, but yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, that. that's pretty run-of-the-mill. So definitely go check out the NFL Snapchat Discover. Uh, it's it's awesome, and, and you won't be disappointed. All right, Rob, pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on here sometime in the future. Nice talking football with you. Yeah, definitely. All right, thanks, Rob, again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Rob's a pretty passionate college football fan, a lot of knowledge as well. I'm glad he can drop some of it on us on this episode. All right, now let's move to the professional ranks where CJ Deer is going to join us on an interview we recorded last night after the Patriots defeated the, I can't even say it without laughing because it's so ridiculous, after the Patriots defeated the Texans with their third string quarterback. We talk about that, as well as the running back injuries, some surprising fantasy players to look for, and some general trends in the NFL season. We're a little over two weeks in now. Here's another interview on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, well, here we are. CJ Deer, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, man. It's the uh, excited to be on your podcast. I know. Thanks for uh, coming out. It's the Money Mitch Effect is the name. We're not sponsored Money Mitch. by Crown Royal yet. <laughs> we're trying to be there. Hey, with the name Money Mitch, I'm pretty sure Crown Royal, you're going to hop on board 
quick so, and air. Yeah, I appreciate that. I hope so too. You know, I'm a big supporter of what they do <laughs> as well. Um, all right, so one of the good things, CJ, you know, being originally from the Midwest like myself about yes. being on the West is having time after the late game to kind of digest it. Oh my god! And not be at you know midnight or post you know. Early I took that for granted. I definitely t- I never realized how relaxing it is, or just having the opportunity to do something after the after game. game. <laughs> yeah. Now the bad thing is game starting when you're trying to come home from work, or you know, that's the worst part about it. But mm-hmm. tonight we got to experience the good part. We're taping this right after the uh, Texans get destroyed by the Patriots. And we found out that Bill Belichick is a genius or a wizard or something. I mean, I, I think... They're a straight quarterback and they win 27 to nothing. I know Houston played bad, CJ, but... No, but I think we forget that Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. And that's and and he builds his team from the, the inside out. So starting with the offense-defensive line and the defense is solid. So that's why you're always able to see Garoppolo come in and be successful. The same thing with Jacoby. They have a solid offensive line, and then they just make smart throws, easy throws to the slots, to the running back. So, Yeah, I was, uh, I was very impressed with how, obviously, the defense, that's three straight good performances by that defense. Uh, except for... With no names, too, though. Yeah. Like, what's the, the biggest well, name on Malcolm that defense? Butler's <laughs> turning into... Mean, he's actually, in the last two years, is turning into a top... 10, top 15 cornerback. Right, and what what was... But you're right, you're right. They are turning no-namers into stars. Jamie Collins, like, you know, they they, they don't mind losing big names. No, and Belichick's a genius. But I really thought that McDaniels did a great job. The prep work they did with this third-string quarterback on a short week to get him ready was phenomenal. He didn't make any mistakes. They rolled the Garrett Blunt to another good game, a resurgent running back, if ever there was one. And Brissett just didn't turn the ball over. It gave him a little bit of a running edge. They got the lead. They just clamped down. Houston didn't know what to do. I almost feel like CJ now. They the Texans played horrible, and I don't. I know we kind of overrated them after two wins that we weren't <laughs> sure what they were. But Belichick, I, I didn't realize this till the game was going on. Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell were his. Assistants. Yes, right. And so like you know they do everything they do. We were going to do. Put yourself in O'Brien's shoes, and and Romeo Cornell. Like they, this was this wasn't just a normal game. It's like one on one versus dad. Yes, like we have to yeah. prove that we're better than Bill Belichick or <laughs> something to that extent. And obviously, we know who the, we knew who the dad was by the end of the game. Can I just say one thing though? How many assistants Belichick's a top three or four quarter coach of all time? Maybe maybe one of the best ever. Yeah, definitely you top know, three. Top probably. three probably <laughs> can't even go past thirty. Um, have any of his assistants ever been great coaches? O'Brien, the jury's still out. You know, Charlie Weiss was not very good everywhere he went. No. Cornell's had a couple stops. McDaniels, who's back with Belichick. Mangini, I mean, No, that's, there, that's, right? that's weird, though, when you think about it. Very weird. I don't know what it is. I, I know. I, you just have to, I would love to just figure. go into one of his meetings or office of meetings or just be around him for a season just to figure out what is it. Right. Like what is this blueprint that he has? <laughs> it's something special, and uh, I think McDaniel's will eventually get another job. No, he thinks I feel like he's just waiting for Belichick to retire to take over. Well, yeah, time. well he'll get a job. It's, he'll be a head coach, is what what I'm for the Pats though, right? Somewhere I, you don't think how Belichick could go for another ten years? Once Brady's done, 
he's I, done. So that's another know. conversation. Garoppolo looks pretty good when he's healthy. They, I don't know. I feel like they're going to either trade okay. Garoppolo or Jacoby. After well, yeah, I, but try I to think get something for, for him. Think, it's going to be the same yeah. thing like Matt Castle. Yeah, but but Garoppolo isn't okay. We, I know it's two games, but he's looked a little bit more polished than just the systems quarterback in Matt Castle. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, hopefully they will keep him around. But I feel like if somebody, rolling. like I said with Jamie, like they they're not afraid to let these quarterbacks go or big time players go if yeah. it's for the right trade or right draft pick or anything like that. So that was week three, the start to week three. Mm-hmm. Week two was in the books. We're going to talk mostly about that. And CJ, it's almost like it was running back Armageddon. It's seven names. You, you know, you had Adrian Peterson, Danny Woodhead, Doug Martin, mm-hmm. Abdullah, uh, who the other two? Jonathan Stewart went out for the game. Rawls went out for the game. And I think I'm blanking on one more name that went down. But everybody got hurt that weekend, it seemed. Um, we've had some big uh, season-ending injuries as well. Uh, I, I think we're starting to see why, one of the reasons why, CJ, the league's shifting away from the running back workhorse. The durability is not there, and yeah. with the passing attacks being as lethal as they are, I just it's a shame when you see guys like Peterson, and, you know, who are so valuable to their team, get injured, or guys you know, like a Doug Martin who is at that next-level running back. Right. Now he's sidelined for a couple weeks. Teams can't put all their eggs in one basket on a running back or they will get burned. I just And then also, like you said, just the evolution of defensive players, like how athletic they are, right. how big. You have players 300-plus pounds running in the high 4-4. Four, four. I mean, high, high 4. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I like you said, it's getting shifted over to more of a passing league, but – it is tough just to see because I've always been a huge running back fan. Yeah. But like you said, the durability, 20-plus carries when you having 300-plus pounders laying the wood on you. So it is a tough, I mean, I don't even know. What I know. Saying. Well, the other guy that got hurt was Aaron Foster. Yes. We're, a lot of these guys are older. A lot of these guys are right in their 30s. In their 30s. But, you know, it's, it's tough to see. And I, I think... Teams can overcome that more, some more so than others, because you have running backs that. So, are what do you think pressure. about the committee there? So, what that do, you, do you feel like someone's is, career? I really do. Do you agree with that philosophy? Uh, I would say yes, right now, and mm-hmm. I think that's me evolving because I was the same way as Lee, you right. about ten years ago. Right. The problem is, you can't really count on one running back for more, you know, more than a couple seasons to not get at least banged up and miss some time. So, you have to have a plan B. The other thing is. Look at a guy we're seeing right now in Pittsburgh, D'Angelo Williams. So what do you His do in that situation? Extent, I, think he, I think he's the effective back he is now because when it was him in Carolina, it was mm-hmm. him and Jonathan Stewart. Right. And he didn't have yes. to be the 20-30 carry. We saw tonight Omar Miller carried the ball like like 26 times. Didn't have a great game. Mm-hmm. He carried it another 20 before. I just And he's a guy with injury history. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked, and I'm not wish, wishing ill will on him, but I would be shocked <laughs> if he made it through the whole season at right. that pace. So I'm just thinking, so what do you do with Jamal Charles coming back with Spencer Ware right, and everything that, goes? And then the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. Like, I'm just curious. Those guys are too good not to keep on the field. But I wouldn't just make them the belt. I mean, plus their backups have shown to be good. Right. So And, and that's why I understand, like, last season yeah. when Le'Veon Bell came back before he got injured, right. um, before he got injured, like, you hardly saw D'Angelo Williams get carries. And like he, he, well, so, I think that was more so of the, a product of their passing game. Pittsburgh's, especially last year with Martavis Bryant playing, 
Mm. They didn't really need the running game as much as I think they probably do this year. But last year, and Pittsburgh kind of got plagued by bad luck when Williams went down too for the playoff for the uh, second playoff mm-hmm. game against Denver. So I think I'm all for using multiple running backs. Right. I and, think I'm I'm agree I'm agreeing with you because it's before, like you said, just a bell cow. But you definitely need multiple running backs, especially the um, between the tackle running backs. Yeah. I, I mean, um, sweep running backs out the backfield, catching passes. It's tough. So. It's a violent game. Ever you know, and bigger, faster, stronger players on the defensive side. You know, injuries unfortunately are a, a part right. of the game, and you gotta have you gotta have a backup and that then, knows what to do. I just I, I can't imagine twenty plus carries, big Vince will knocking you down. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about one of those running backs that was hurt, C.J. Adrian Peterson. Mm. Um, so the Vikings are two and all. They lost Bridgewater before the season started, traded for Sam Bradford, lose Peterson in the second game, still beat the Packers at home. In Peterson's case, before we get to the team, he's going to be 32 years old. He's owed uh, about $12 million next year. You wonder if you'll see him again, either for the Vikings and also at that level that we've known him to be. I mean, running backs, they hit that cliff, like we say. And right. And you would you never expect to see happen. the Terminator. Yeah. And that's one thing. Peterson. That's one thing in his favor, CJ, is that he's an absolute genetic freak. <laughs> right. Like he is not. But I do. When see. they said he could play on a torn meniscus originally, <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? But did you, like he had, to, I've never seen Adrian Peterson have to be carried out. I know. That off the field, through the lot. I mean, like through the tunnel. Hercules. I mean, my goodness. But um, yeah. Just I mean, to answer your question. Yeah. I do kind of see the window starting to close on Adrian Peterson. I hate to say it. And the way that it's a business at the end of the day, so I can't see him not in a Vikings uniform next season, too, or next two seasons. I think he'll be back. I think they will uh, renegotiate his contract. They, but they do you, do you honestly think more. he would take a pay? I, I, oh, yeah, I, oh, yeah, with the re- situation re- before a couple they of years ago. They, they didn't he agreed to restructure his contract. There was obviously some bad blood at at times, but I just, I don't know if you can count on him anymore. It's sad to say, I don't know if you can count on him to be, right. I mean, he can still be a damn good running back in the NFL. I just don't know if he's the guy mm-hmm. that it, That, that could carry a team. Yeah, exactly. That could carry, carry a, a franchise. But the Vikings at 2-0, and CJ, doing it with defense, one mm-hmm. of the most underrated defenses in the league. I don't know why. Sam Bradford is pretty competent. He looked competent in, in He looked good, honestly. Good I never I haven't seen Sam Bradford that good since his first season with St. Louis when <laughs> well, he's healthy. That's a step up. He's not getting injured. But um he honestly did look really good. Well can we talk about the guy that's leading the NFL in receiving right now? Stephon receiving yards. Yeah, oh, yeah, Stephon Stephon Diggs. And I I know Bradford's never had a receiver like him. Like, you can just look at the tape. Like, he's never had a receiver with the potential to be good as Stephon Diggs. Um, but this is a guy that was a mid-round draft pick mm-hmm. that has shot out. Uh, he looked good last year, but now it's like he's he's budding superstar he, potential. No, It he, was more, it was more so, it doesn't matter who's throwing to me with the mindset. I'm getting open, and that's what happened against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. He's getting comfortable. And that's the thing. Like they say, you always see players in their second season – really starting to take off. And you could tell that he's starting, the, the game is slowing down. He's able to just be himself, use his skill set. Like you said, 
Spec- great route running ability. Great hands. That's the thing. Like, those two so, things. Because he's not that big. Route running and hands. Uh, why, do, why do guys currently, or consistently, the, the Antonio Browns, why are they not, they're not that big? The right? It's size. No, yeah, and yeah. that's the thing. And that's just being a great scout. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if at you, cow, you're at the combine every yeah. year. So and that's I, what I'm saying. So it's basically that. Yeah. route running ability yeah. and great hands. Yeah, it's... Because, uh, I mean, it's only one dominant big receiver, and that's Julio Jones. But like you say, everybody else, if you look at the list, well, Kevin Benjamin, but Stephon Diggs, Antonio Brown, those are all smaller, quick, gray-handed receivers. You'll get the guys like A.J. Green that are more of a taller line here. But, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I mean, you have to be able to run routes because that's part of it. And mm-hmm. Diggs is, is doing just that. I wonder, C.J., about the other side of that loss with the Packers. This is a team that they've looked pretty much okay for the last couple of years, but okay is in Aaron Rodgers' prime is probably not what the Green Bay fan base True. had in mind. Why can't this team consistently win big games? Defense. I mean, I feel like Base this podcast, defense. we just constantly talking about defense. Yeah. But that's the thing. they just not able to put the offense in good positions to be successful. Like, granted, you do have Aaron Rodgers, and, and he's – Probably the top three quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, right yeah now. that's no. I'm just I'm thinking yeah. Cam, Tom, <laughs> yeah. and who else? Yeah, okay, top three, yeah. top two, top one, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but I just and I just feel like you know the running game really is not taking off. So it might be the offensive line. I haven't watched a lot of game tape from the from Green Bay because you know the run opens up the pass. Yeah, and then Jordy's. I mean, he looked good. He how many? I don't know how many touchdowns he has on the season, but. I think it's just one. one. I think it's just the one he had. This, yeah, this and so they, he's starting to get back in his groove. I really just think it's the running game, offensive line. Yes, the offensive line, because now that I think back back to the Vikings game right. with the fumble towards the end of the yeah. game when they still had a chance to win. And then um, the defense, just not putting the offense in good positions. Yeah, I, I don't – that offense to me, something's not right, and I don't know if they need another voice in the room if – McCarthy's uh, is he calling the plays? He's calling plays. It's just something is kind of off. And with Rodgers, you always have a chance. But you know, I wonder with that team if they're going to be able to you know bounce back. Let's switch. They will be fine though. Yeah, they yeah with Rodgers and and the skills they have. Eddie Lacy said they said he lost weight. I don't know. Uh, In the preseason, he looked good. I was thinking like him and Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon carried it over, but Eddie Lacy fell off. So the (laughs) NFC East, CJ. We have the, the Cowboys are one on one. The Giants are now two and zero. Redskins zero and two, and the surprising Eagles two and zero. This wasn't a division that a lot of people were hyped about going in. Mm-mm. Let's start at the top. The Giants, they might be. I don't want to say for real, but a competent football team with a legit defense. With a legit defense and three explosive receivers. I mean, Victor Cruz he's looks back. good. Sterling Shepard looks good. Victor I'll Cruz be, back. You think yes. he's okay? I mean, he's right. he's getting there. We'll hold down he, that. All right. yeah. He's getting there. I mean, he's never going to be the saucer all up and yeah. down the field. But Victor Cruz, but he looks yeah. – I mean, to come off of though, that injury, I mean, he looks great. I also think their offense has an identity now. They have the receivers. Okay, we're going to be the pass-heavy team. Vereen's going to be the primary back because he can catch passes, mm-hmm. and we're not going to try to force a boring running game down anybody's throat. But the defense was awful last year, and they're actually much, much improved. No, I mean, they, I was just about yeah. to say this. They spent the money, so, hey, it better look somewhat decent. But, yeah, I do agree the defense does 
look a lot better compared to last year. Ten times better. Do you see the Cowboys being their no. threat? No? no, Eagles. Really? Okay. I, I like wins. I said it. I All said right. the. I said the Rams should have. I'm a Rams fan, yeah. by the way. Still, uh, still, yeah. I know yeah. this. That's another mm-hmm. segment. Okay. <laughs> but um, I said the Rams should have drafted wins. Now I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Wentz looking good. Obviously, it looks early on the golf. Him and Jordan Mavericks. You gotta like your seat at the table for the Wentz golf debate right now. <laughs> but. Okay, what could they beat? They probably beat the two worst. I know, teams yeah. This this week is gonna really show, but I I honestly feel I, I just remember when Ben came in, his rookie season, and he just kept winning. I know you're not a big yeah. but I'm just saying I, I feel I compared the two. He has the position down, he knows yes. what he's doing, he yes. has command of that offense. Yes. I just think the defense not very good. And they haven't really faced any adversity from a defense on the other side that would push their offense. So I, I'm I need to see more. I, I don't have this team. But I do like anymore. Dak. So let, yeah. I do like Dak, but I do feel like the Eagles. And the Redskins are just, they're a mess. I don't. So do you pay, do you want to renege on paying Josh Norman all of that money? Well, one of two things happened in that first game, CJ, against the Steelers. You either had a guy that, you either had a coaching staff that didn't know what they were doing, Having the ten million dollar cornerback not guard the best receiver, and when he did team. guard him, he he or he locked him up. Or the other popular uh, belief among football people is that Josh Norman's a cover two corner. They paid all this money for a cover two corner that's not going to be the biggest help mm-hmm. in a vertical passing game. Right, I don't think he's that bad at man to man to be honest, because he is long. He reminds me of Richard Sherman a little right. bit. Right, they both long. Guy that right, doesn't that's, really play that much man. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but no, when he did when he did guard. Antonio Brown. I think the NFC East is an entering division because there's still a lot to be proven. Mm-hmm. I would go Giants, Cowboys, and maybe Eagles slightly ahead of Redskins for late into the mm-hmm. season. But I give it a. I mean, more. I'm not. And like you said with the Eagles, they have a bad defense. The same thing with the Cowboys. Exactly. Well, they both have rookie quarterbacks right now, so I'm going with the Eagles over the Cowboys. See. Well, let's go to the NFC West here on the Money Mitch Effect with CJ Deer. Okay, so. <laughs> Arizona one and one. They destroyed Tampa Bay to get back even. Everybody, everybody is one and one in that division right now. Yeah. And the I team remember, that's frightening to me is the Seahawks in the bad way okay. because yes. they could be zero and two. Yes, I and I'm not a fan of theirs by any stretch, but I I fear for Russell Wilson out there because he's running around right. for his life. That might be the worst offensive line in football. Right. They can't get any running game going. Are these legitimate long-term concerns, or do you think they'll figure it no, out? No, I do think they're legit long-term concerns because, I mean, the defense holding offenses to, what, like 10, 12 points, and they yeah. can't even score 14, yeah, two touchdowns. 10 points this year. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, it's frightening. It's definitely frightening. I think with that offense, we all – we do this a lot with – the running back position especially, we over, you know, we underappreciate the guy leaving. Mm-hmm. We think, oh, this next young guy could just come in and fill Wrong. the void. But that injury. Mar- yeah. Marshawn Lynch was a loss for them. No, absolutely. Like you say, in the locker room, right, on exactly. the field, it's more, t- and that's another thing. Right, but I, I also, too, think we thought, oh, Rawls will just come in or, or Chris and Michael, and it'll be fine. It, it, what, sports don't work like that. <laughs> I, I honestly did think Rawls could come in. And re- not replace Marshawn, but really kind of fill the fill yeah. the void a little bit. But after that injury, he just doesn't look the same as he did last year. He was running 
tough last year, really just breaking off big runs this season. I mean, yeah, he looks injured still. Yeah, it, he had that stretch, but you wonder if he could stay on the field and play yes. well. Um, but you know, and and then the Rams are just nah. you know I don't I, I'm I'm with you in that reaction you just yeah. had. I think. Their win at home is a nice story, but they got a ways to go. <laughs> I agree. You know, that's just yeah. Rams Seahawks is like a prison rules street fight. Right. It's, one of, it's actually one of the worst games to watch. If you're going to sit down and watch well, a football if you, game. Yeah, if you don't like defense, <laughs> don't watch that game. If, if you want to see points scored, do not watch that game. Personal fouls after the whistle. <laughs> right. A lot of drama. You can watch that game. Right, let's shift over uh, to the AFC. We mentioned the Patriots earlier in the show, CJ, winning tonight. After Sunday, it's very possible that they'll have a two-game lead on everybody in that division. <laughs> I wonder, two, one team in particular in that division I want to talk about, that's the Buffalo Bills. Right now, 0-2, not looking good. They fire their offensive coordinator. It looks like Rex Ryan's days are numbered. Is this going to be a situation where the team has to get blown up, or do you think... Oh, absolutely. You don't, so you don't think you could salvage what they have? No. Have blown up? Okay. I don't think Rex Ryan... Hart isn't coaching anymore, to be honest. He's got media happy a little yes, too much. Yeah, I do. And it's sad because he was a excellent, excellent defensive coordinator, you know, with the Ravens. That was the know, crazy they, thing. They yeah. fired the offensive coordinator, but the defense has been the one that they gave his brother. Well, yeah. No, I know that. But the, what was interesting about that was the story about how the players for the Bills met with the owners. Mm-hmm. Not Rex Ryan was in the room, so they could have fired him. So the players wanted the offensive guy gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the offense, you could succeed with that offense with Tyrod Taylor, if McCoy's on the field, <laughs> mm-hmm. Watkins, and then Goodwin to score that touchdown. People forget he's an Olympic sprinter. Right. Uh, and long jumper. You know, I, I just think they're in trouble. I, I've never been sold on the Dolphins. The Jets are interesting to me, though, because I think there's some talent there. I think the offense has an identity. Forte fits in nicely. I know, Defensively, yes. though, and I want to get your thoughts on Revis because he's looked really <laughs> sluggish and slow. Do you think he's losing it? Or do you think he just came in a little out of shape this year? I think a little out of shape. Honestly, dude. But don't get me wrong. I, I do feel like he's thought the latter of his career where he's not going to be the Revis Island. position to be I know, the best be the at. Top. And like you said, if, and he doesn't look in shape, like NFL shape. Because I'm just thinking about Patrick Peterson. Yeah. And it was his for health yeah. reasons. And you could tell he looked sluggish. And he was, you know, wasn't able to keep up with the wide receivers. Just, so the thing, the same yeah. thing with Revis, it looked like he just loses focus on a couple plays and be like, oh, like it's a yeah. double move. Like just. Well, he got tested out of the gate with AJ Green. I mean, that's a tough week one at the office. Hey, if you want to be it's considered true. one of the top cornerbacks and then you already so, saying you're a Hall of Fame. Don't yeah. get me wrong, he's a Hall of Fame oh, cornerback. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you. You got to be prepared for those. You saw his response to Jared Smith on Twitter. That was yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, and I agree with you on Forte. I like him in that. Jets I offense. really like. I I mean, I can embarrass. <laughs> I mean, let him go. The, but don't they, get me wrong. I know we talk about the thirty. He's yeah. thirty years old. They did now. him a service actually because they're going to be bad. For oh, I know. Years. Yeah, I agree. But still, <laughs> Forte is the man. I know. And that's another case we're just talking about. They thought the next guy, Langford, could just step right in. Mm-hmm. Forte's pretty damn good. All right, so I, I hate having to talk about these guys, but the Steelers are pretty awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're just a good team. And then next to the Patriots, a, a very good front runner to go to the Super Bowl this mm-hmm. year and possibly win it. They're doing things on offense that don't always involve Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. And that, to me, is the scariest part. When you have a D'Angelo Williams, when you have 
uh, James, the new tight end that you could just mix in. Bryant goes down. This offense doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, that is pretty scary. Like you said, losing Bryant, no Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown didn't even have a great game last week. No, they, they still, still beat the Bengals. But right. defensively, does this team have enough to you – know, that's where we want And that's what happens better. when it gets later on in the season. It's about the running game, which they do have. And they couldn't get stops against them in the playoffs. They don't have a defense. They do and have. That's the scary thing about the Patriots. I know. Uh, and it's frightening. I don't want to see that AFC Championship game. I've seen it too many times <laughs> past uh, Steelers. But Ryan Chazier out of the Ohio State him. University, I a very good, very good linebacker. He's team. really good. If he stays on the field, he could be trouble for them. But the AFC South, on the other hand, CJ, mm. awful division right now. With the Texans are two and one, but no one after tonight's taking them seriously. What is wrong in Indianapolis? 0-2, Broncos lost like you, but the way they lost to the Lions and the way they've started out every game, practically down two touchdowns. You know, I wonder about this team. I wonder what else needs to be done. But the Colts correct. Um, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but no run game. Yeah, no they've never defense. had a run game since Andrew Luck's been there. And I and I think in the, the offensive line, like he's running for his life nine times out of ten, and and his, he's not able to. And then the receivers too with Dante Moncrief going down now. Yeah, well, they were in T. Y. Hilton. And, thank God Andrew Luck is a big strong mobile. dude mm-hmm. and mobile. Or mm-hmm. yeah, because they have big, no big strong and mobile. Do you wonder about this team how they've been drafting and signing in free agency? Yeah, they, they draft Dorsett two years ago. Philip Dorsett. It's okay. You can be a slot guy. You have other needs on your football team. They signed Andre Johnson and Frank Gore. And I, I and Frank I think, Gore, I respect, but the money no, could have been allocated. No, elsewhere. and like I don't. Is Bill Belichick a genius, or is, does he just think logical? Because the thing is, you win games from the O line, D line, run game. In the defense, yeah. like you, you do that first. You don't go dr- dr- first round, Philip Lewis. I know. <laughs> you, you don't that go pick up. Yeah, right you, time. you, you built like you have to protect your your money man. Yeah, your money maker. They haven't done and that. They, and, yeah. So, well, the one team in the AFC South that I would say is probably head on leader for most overhyped team this year is Jacksonville. <laughs> Everybody Aww. penciling them in. As the uh, yeah, that's, oh, that's their spot. Everybody that's penciling them in as the trendy team. Them and the Raiders. They, like, got, destroyed by, yeah, no, they got destroyed by the Chargers, CJ. The, the who who were hey, but the Chargers football. are looking. I don't know, but yeah, that was yeah Jackson in yeah. San Diego, which is a home game for every other team when they come in right. San Diego, not Jacksonville. But the AFC West, uh, here as we shift topics again on the Money Mitch effect, talking NFL football. Money Mitch! Talking NFL football, CJ Deer. The AFC West is being paced right now by a Denver Broncos team. Man. And I'll tip my hat to one person in particular, that's John Elway. Because he finagled one of the best off-season, you know, tricky situations yes. I can remember. Let Osweiler go. Looks like a good move. Found a way to groom the next quarterback in. In Paxton Lynch, yes. found Trevor Simeon to run the offense, and paid the right guys on defense. Got a deal done with Von Miller. Right. I, they, with Simeon holding the fourth down, they might not need much more of their offense. That's true. It's the same situation as last season. The exact same situation. And this this season, you don't have to worry. No, no disrespect to um, Peyton Manning, you know, a legend, Hall of Famer, but Simeon, no turnovers. Like, he's putting the offense in good positions. Like, even getting a field goal range just to get points on the board. 
or not even push putting it um defense in the other team's side yeah. of the um, field. So the line looks better than it did last year. CJ Anderson was great. Beeson, but here we go. But what's up with the receivers though? So my yes, I mean, I mean they, they don't really need as much out of them. They haven't. But in the segue to what I was about to say, here we go. Simeon adversity. They're playing in Cincinnati this week. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been tested. The passing game hasn't been tested. Right. We'll see what he's made of now. So it's what do you of, think about Demarius Thomas? I'm just after he got paid. It seemed like his numbers just went down. Yes and no. Yes, and the, it, they did go down. There's no debating that. But I think part of it is what the offense has gone to. Kubiak's been a run guy his whole career. He mm-hmm. comes and he wants to run the football. The addition of Emmanuel Sanders has taken touches away from what... And that's surprising. Right? But it's true, like, yes. But I think they're both good, and, and you need both of them to succeed for mm-hmm. that team. But, here, yeah, that's going to be the game I'm looking at, and we'll get to picks in a little bit, but... Cincinnati Denver is a big one for Simeon. We'll see what he's made of in adversity. Can he come back on the road? Can he lead a couple big drives with uh, the crowd in his face? Uh, you mentioned one of the other trendy te- team picks, CJ, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Through two games, they've been the worst defense in NFL history. Oh, yeah. They've given up 1,000 yards. I, Derek Carr looks great. Mm-hmm. I like the offense. A lot to be excited about. But they're not going anywhere if they can't do anything on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like that's what we've been talking about this whole night, but it's so true. It is so true. You need the defense to be successful. Yeah. You can't win games um, allowing the opposing team to score 20-plus points, almost well, 30 points. Minutes. I know, I'm just like 20, yeah, no. 30, 40. Like, yes, it's ridiculous. The shootout in, with New Orleans. We all talked hard. about how smart Del Rio was going for two. I think now it just <laughs> seems logical. Like, why would I want my defense to the side of the game? Like, were you not watching the game? Yeah, it's you... <laughs> like, no, and uh, yeah, I think, I mean, God, I mean, your flight football team would probably be able to put, <laughs> probably able to put yards and points up on the Raider D. But I think it's going to wear down on Carr. I think if he's got to, if he continually has to put up 30 to win, mm-hmm. it's going to get to him. Yes. And you're not doing that against Denver. You know, you're not doing that against doing that. No. So they'll never be the... taken seriously. Right. Until they fix that side of the ball. Have to get the defense together. Before we go to picks, one last thing. What your thoughts? You think the Chiefs are legit? They've looked shaky through two weeks. They were a team. They were the trendy pick to make the playoffs again and maybe go further. Yeah, but. I mean, that's the thing. They can make the playoffs, but I don't think they will go any further. Unless Jamal Charles come back and then the defense gets healthy. Week one was bizarro. They, they looked awful early. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen gets hurt. They turned it around. Right. Last week, they couldn't do anything on offense. Now, the defense has looked all right. We talk about Marcus Peters. already has two interceptions, but... One of the top cornerbacks in the league. It's the offense to me. that I need to see more consistent play out of them. But Alex not, Smith, it starts yeah. with him. I don't know. All right, let's look at some of the games this week as we wrap up the football NFL talk on the Money Mitch effect. Money Mitch. Cincinnati, Denver, Cincinnati at home. CJ as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. How do you see this game going? I think the Broncos going to um, win this game. I honestly do. I feel like the defense is going to be able to keep Andy Dalton in check. The running game for the Bengals really haven't done. But Giovanni Bernard, don't get me wrong, got the backfield making plays in the passing game. But I'm going to go with the Broncos. Okay. I, I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because both of them have great defenses. But I feel like Broncos going to be able to get a couple turnovers, fumbles, recoveries, interceptions. Yeah. For a touchdown or whatever. 14-10. I got to go Bengals here. I, they need this one. They lost to Pittsburgh last week. If they can't beat Denver at home, 
how are we going to take them seriously as a contender? Mm-hmm. You know, and they beat Peyton Manning. You know, the last two times he played in Cincy, they beat him. So yes, I think they can beat the Broncos at home in this game. I apologize, we're not going to do every game. There's a couple of clunkers this week, <laughs> but what I want your opinion on is Arizona on the road against Buffalo, only four and a half point favorites in a game many people are calling the Ryan brothers' last stand. Mm-hmm. Think Arizona pulls it yes. out, or no? and I and I do feel, <laughs> you know what. And I the honestly Ryan won't make it through the season. I, don't I, don't, I was just about to yeah. say that. I was just about to say that. I honestly don't see Rex Ryan staying all season, so I'm definitely going with the Cardinals in this game. All right. Uh, the Dolphins are 10-point favorites at home against the Browns. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that that's your disaster, man. <laughs> well, you know, Charlie Whitehurst just signed, and uh, <laughs> if history shows us anything, he'll be in the game by the second quarter. All right. Um, no, that's in Corey Coleman's, Casey Coleman's breaking his Oh, hand. my gosh. He looks so... Good. I'm really interested to see if they win a game this year. Uh, they will. Well, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to see it. Kessler either. Um, all right, Detroit Green Bay. Do you think Green Bay a touchdown favorite? They they write the ship. Detroit blew that game last week. Uh, it's in Lambeau Field, so I do feel like because Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. Yeah, he they lost that losing. game last year. Yeah, that was a crazy I, no, I, I remember. I was I was gonna go with the Lions because I do like their offense this season, but. I just know Aaron Rodgers, he's he's a competitor, and he's angry right now. All right, one game I I want to talk about in particular is Minnesota-Carolina. Mm, that's yeah, a great game. seven-point favorites. They're 1-1, one one, Vikings 2-0. and oh. This If the Vikings win this game, I think we got to just nominate Zimmer Coach of the Year already. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a steep order. Yes. Hmm. Huh. This I, is going to be a great game. This I like is going Panthers, to be a slug. I like the Panthers, but not with the spread. That's wrong. Right. Okay. I do like the Panthers, too, but it's going to be a really close game. What was the spread again? Seven touchdown favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's going to be closer than that. Um, but definitely going with the Panthers. It's going to. I don't see it going past 14 points, though. Two more I want to get to. C.J. Pittsburgh goes to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Undefeated Ooh, Philadelphia. It, Pittsburgh Philly. also undefeated. Pittsburgh four-point favorites in the Battle of Pennsylvania. I know I was early in the podcast. Yeah, I put was your money where your mouth is. I know. I was awesome haven't beat the Steelers. So. <laughs> uh, but I don't think they, they're there yet. But don't get me wrong. I do feel like Wentz is going to have a good game. He's going to show. He might have a couple of mistakes, but he's going to bounce back from him. He's going to put the Eagles in position to win, but the defense isn't going to be able to stop the Steelers' offense. I'm rooting for him. Uh, no, I think he's going to have a huge fan this game. Two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the Steelers. But he needs to stop getting hit, too. Yeah, he well, needs I'm, to go I'm down. I'm worried about that defense. The Eagles? The defense yeah, they, they're, 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 they're pretty bad. Um, but, yeah, undefeated Pittsburgh might be without Le'Veon Bell before he comes back. It's a scary Same stuff. thing with New with England. Pats and Brady, I know. That's a heck of a parlay if you would have been So that's kind of, yeah. This week's Monday night game, New Orleans hosts Atlanta. Two teams searching for it. Saints haven't won a game yet this year. Falcons are one and one. Almost an eliminator. Huh? Almost yeah. the time to just write somebody off. If I know. And the thing is about the Falcons, you just never know what team you're going to get. One week. You say that for I'm, the Saints. No, this, yeah. yeah, with the Saints. But the thing is with the Falcons, both of these defenses are <laughs> Let's write them both off. No, I, <laughs> Saints are three-point right, favorites. Right, for real, though. They, uh, the Saints are three-point favorites? This wow. A game. No, the Falcons are definitely going to win this game. Okay. Um, I love Drew Brees, though. You know, it's a division game. It's <laughs> in New Orleans. 
I'd stay away from this as a betting man. Yes. I, I'm leaning towards actually the Saints because they're all in two, and this is a game. They lose this. It will get ugly fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Saints here. I'm going Falcons. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. CJ, thanks for stopping by. Uh, of course. Thanks for having me, Money Mitch. Before I let you go, NFL media, you know, you're on social media, anything yeah. interesting going on there? Um, You know, just trying to keep up with the trends, with the – the current world, everything is going on, but nothing too big, really. Just it's changing every day. All right, well, we'll have to <laughs> make sure we follow you guys on uh, social media. Yeah, follow Twitter, at Facebook, NFL Fantasy. Yeah, oh, uh, fantasy. I'm already checked out on about most of my teams. So What's your record? What I got the one, team that I you care about? Two. I got two one and ones and an zero and two, but. Some injuries. But the yeah. one-on-one, I'm one Well, I lost all three games last week, so oh, that was a rough one. So, yeah. real quick before we get off, tell me that's like the most depressing Monday or Tuesday the following. Once you lose in fantasy, the like worst the part. Day, it, the worst part isn't so much when it's happening. It's when you, it is when you wake up and they send you those scoreboards. <laughs> like, you lost, you lost. Like, you have to keep clicking. <laughs> Just three notifications. Yeah, so that's the worst part is being reminded of it. Like, you right. want to put it to bed and go to sleep, mm-hmm. but you have to wake up and physically see that. So. I just know when I lose, you can tell the next day at work, I'm just quiet at my desk. Like, what's wrong with you? Uh, it's awful. But CJ, thanks again for coming course, by. Thanks for having me. All right, big thanks again to Rob Crowder and CJ here for stepping up and stepping in on the Money Mitch Effect to talk football, spew some sports BS with an average Joe like myself. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, signing off the Money Mitch Effect, episode eight in the books. Have a good weekend. <laughs>